Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. Hi, I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a trailbreaker through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscape of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it how they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow-through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is Sasha Dingle, founder and lead meditation teacher for the Mountain Mind Project. She's also a former faculty member at the Goldman Emotional Intelligence Coaching and Training Program and a competitor on the Mountain Biking Enduro World Series and Skiing Free Ride World Tour. Sasha's vision is to make training the mind as common as training the body. We talked about how to not hide from your mind, how mindfulness is really about learning to drop back into our bodies, and how when you don't know where you belong, Keep breaking trail till you find the place where you can be yourself. Good afternoon, Sasha, and thank you very much for joining the show today. Hey, Aaron, I'm really excited to get to chat with you. You are the founder of the Mountain Mind Project, and I feel like that role, that company that you've created is the perfect combination of so many of the things that that make up who you are, you know, from the, from the cognitive side of you to the physical, to the, you know, to the super peak performer, to the really grounded present person. And so we're going to get into all the work that you do with the Mountain Mind Project, but I want to back us up a bit and start back in your childhood in Vermont. And would love to hear a little bit about what it was like growing up in Vermont to a mom who was a refugee from Vietnam and, and a father and, and how those experiences sort of pushed you into all the sports and the, and also the contemplative practices that you're up to. Yeah. I, I feel so lucky to have grown up in Vermont just with the sense of place that, that I experienced from, from growing up in the way that I did there. So I was very connected to the natural world around me. And as you mentioned, my mom and her entire side of the family, uh, you know, my grandparents and all my aunts and uncles were war refugees left right at the end of the Vietnam War, kind of hours before tanks crashed through the gates and ended the war. Um, and then the other half of my family was Polish and Lithuanian, pretty recent immigrants, kind of at my great grandparents level. Um, and I knew nothing of this growing up. There were no stories. I didn't speak Vietnamese, both sides of my family. I, you know, really did not talk about our family history. So I kind of felt like I was this island that just sort of arrived on this planet and, you know, figured things out by exploring the world around me, especially the natural world around me. So in the absence of story, my family really connected through these outdoor sports. So we were, you know, outside mountain biking, hiking, skiing all together. And it's, it's really the thing that my family of four still does together. Um, even though my parents are in their sixties now, and somehow my mom is a refugee from Vietnam became a skier and, um, yeah, so it's kind of the language the four of us speak. That is so cool. And, you know, I think a lot of us who are, are physical and, and athletic and, you know, we find that that connection to the way that we move around in space and, and the way that we understand things and how we we can pull 
those learnings into other parts of our lives, you know, whether it's our work or whether it's how we show up in relationships. I was talking to a guy yesterday at the trailhead and he was saying how just, he's a better dad. He's a better husband. He's a better boss when he gets out and rides his bike. Mm, yes. Yeah. I and, can relate to that. And, and, and so, you know, there's the other side of, of you, which is the, the head and the, in the cognition and the presence. Uh, so how did that get put in your world as a, as a youngster? Well, so I, my dad started taking me to yoga class with him when I was eight. I also started in kind of these solo extreme action sports, I guess, when I was pretty young. So I was around two when I started skiing and eight when I started mountain biking. And I really think that was the doorway into my contemplative practice. Um, you know, I recognize not every outdoor athlete or action sports athlete is contemplative in the same way, but, um, you know, I was, it was really kind of where I was reflective. It was where I found my main identity that I got to choose. Um, I think there's that piece of being always bridging worlds, you know, being multicultural, multiracial, a female and kind of these male dominated spaces that, um, identity is a confusing concept for me at times, but like athlete, I knew that that was it, um, for me. And so I kind of reflected from the world around me, um, discoveries about myself. Like I'd roll down, you know, scary line on my mountain bike and I would learn something about me. So that's, that's kind of how I've always approached my sports. And then later on, I found that there's ways to train around that and really leverage those strengths of mind, um, from these methodologies that exist. And for anybody who doesn't really know or is familiar with that term contemplative practice, what does that encompass? Yeah, that's a great, great question. It's uh, so um, I sub it in for meditation and there's um, really the heart of the work that I do through Mountain Mind Project is I provide meditation training and it's for athletes and people who want to train their mind like an athlete. So my contemplative practice, my meditation practice, that's what I'm talking about. Thanks for clarifying. And, mm -hmm. and I know that, you know, as a young athlete in, in both mountain biking and in, in skiing, you know, you had talked to me offline a little bit about some of the amazing trainings and coaching and et cetera that you experienced, but also some, some times and some, some ways in which you didn't necessarily get exactly what you were looking for. Yeah. So, you know, I started competing in both mountain biking and skiing in high school. This was the early two thousands and the programs that I'm hoping to provide to athletes and other professionals that have to perform in high stakes, high risk environments really didn't exist at that point. I mean, they, I pull a lot from um, Eastern psychology or Buddhist psychology. Um, so in these religious settings, some of those methodologies existed. You'll find the Olympic athletes of meditation in those places, but it wasn't in, you know, training your mind, especially in these um, performance areas in sport. So I worked with a sports psychologist when I was in high school, um, and that was really cognitive still. Uh, so a lot of what I think mindfulness is sort of a, a confusing term in a way in that it has so little to do about, with our mind. It's so much more about 
dropping back into our bodies and returning to our, you know, noticing our senses, all that good information that comes from the signals from the body. So, um, I was finding that myself in how I would ground myself in the start gate. You know, I would do these movement-based things where I could feel my body and that allowed me to not get pulled into fear or distracted by, you know, thoughts or visions of me winning. Um, and that's more similar to the mindfulness practice, um, than some of the, the strategies of kind of reframing and, and more along the line of cognition and, um, sports psychology. All right. So, so if I understand, and you can fill in any gaps, I skip over. So you, you know, yoga as a youngster with your, with your dad, and then you move into some sports where you get access to, you know, some sports psychology, um, you know, trainings and and exposure. And then, you know, then you jump into college and, and I know you did some, you know, some studying, you know, in the sort of formal education side of things, and then also some you know, some work with the Goldman Institute. So anything I missed in terms of, you know, how you've grown yourself as both a practitioner and also as a, as a teacher and a, and a leader of these concepts for other people? Yeah, the, uh, most of my, my training comes from the Mindfulness-Based Professional Training Institute that's through UC San Diego School of Medicine. And then I also part of that kind of professional development commitment is I go on retreat annually and have a regular practice. So, um, you know, I have my regular day, daily practice, 30, 45 minutes meditating on my own, which is a lot of what I teach from is my practice, that exploration, um, being an athlete of, of the mind myself. And then in this retreat setting, it's like nine, 10 days, silent retreats, uh, frequently with a teacher who can then sort of push me in these areas where I'm hiding from myself within my own mind. So, um, I was originally a pre-physical therapy student when I went to college and, uh, because again, like the, the body is the language that makes sense to me. Um, and then I came across these books, uh, that were really intersecting, uh, psychiatry and what I consider Buddhist psychology. And that made so much sense because, you know, for, for me as an athlete too, it was they're body-based and they're trainable. That's what meditation, specifically mindfulness meditation is. Um, and so I knew training, I'd been doing training plans from kind of 14 on powerlifting as an athlete. And, uh, yeah, as I alluded to within my family, we don't talk a lot together. Our, our language together is, you know, kind of these physical activities outside. So again, I think, when I was looking at different ways of healing myself or thinking of these people closest to me, we weren't necessarily going to gravitate toward um, conversation as a way to heal. It was like we needed to, it to be through our bodies. And so that's really what I'm hoping to provide, you know, the field of mental health with, with these practices. And, and not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to, <laughs> you know, as someone who- it's kind of the who, role. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, how does it feel now to- be in a position where you're speaking to people and training them and teaching them, you know, through your different courses or even being on, you know, shows like this uh, as someone who maybe that wasn't your avenue uh, or, or was it a, something you wish you had in your family life? And, 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 and now that you have it, it, it feels better. It wasn't the avenue at all. I mean, I had started to deepen my own practice and um, started meditating in, 
about 13 years ago in actually in college when I, I did switch my major to psychology and um, first kind of encountered meditating for these short snippets of time in a class that I took and then started working more with kind of a spiritual coach, spiritual advisor. At that point still, it was like five minutes a day. That was my practice. And then I um, had started going on retreat, kind of deepening that practice prior to competing when I qualified to compete on the free ride world tour. And so it actually took some sickness kind of years of losing my sport for me to really just grab for my yoga and my meditation practice like a lifeline. And um, that was really over a period of years of some chronic pain and illness. And that was when I actually got the certification through UCSD and started teaching first mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is a group course for chronic pain, um, anxiety, stress, and but no, I mean, my first course I was that I taught, I was 27 and I had people in the room who were in their seventies. And I was like, why do you think I have anything to offer you? Because so much of this is about exploring your experience and that comes with life and wisdom of life. But um, I actually did have something to offer. And I think that there's a lot in this kind of exploration adventure that comes from being an outdoor athlete that um, is kind of life lived in acceleration in a way. So I think of it as like exploring and kind of bringing these lessons back down to the valley or the day-to-day to, to kind of um, allow life to be richer and, and able to engage more fully in life kind of in, back there. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, when you were talking about your family and, and people not sitting down and talking as much or communicating through that, that mode, when I listen to you or when you describe things and, and, you know, some of this stuff is, is kind of more on the abstract side or esoteric, you know, you have a very clear way of, of communicating it all. And you do not come across as somebody who didn't grow up with, you know, you, it, you sound like somebody who like all day long, people in your family must've talked. And so I guess, you know, I just wondered, is it comfortable for you now to, to be in a room and just teach an entire, you know, group of people, or do you still wish you were more showing up in the world just through the natural world or, or in your body? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, Throughout my athletic career, and if I were to pick my ideal, yes, my still way of communicating would be let's go outside and uh, do something together. I, I love that you incorporate that into your work and training and development. And um, it's, uh, yeah, that is still kind of the natural vocabulary for me. Um, it's... Uh, I really love to practice though. And I really love to teach and or, or just guide and kind of facilitate. And so um, I think of this role as less about I'm the expert, I'm teaching about something. I mean, I do pull in sports psychology, performance psychology, positive psychology, um, you know, and it's PowerPoint slides at times, but so much of it is uh the learning comes from the experience that you're having, you know, it's experiential learning the same way learning to ski would be or learning to mountain bike in that I could talk about doing the thing for a while, but like the, the discovery is going to come when you get out there and do it. And so meditation is the same way. And, and so that part, I love doing the meditation and then getting to kind of explore 
what showed up in each individual experience because it is always uniquely individual. I want to take us a slightly different direction because I think it's, there's just this really interesting juxtaposition with you, you know, on the one side, you've got pretty high level downhill mountain biker, free ride, world tour skier. Uh, You've got the other side, which is this grounded, mindful perspective and, you know, and all the, um, you know, the practices and, and spirituality associated with it. What's it like for you to transition between those two worlds. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the more grounded and balanced and focused you are, the better you're going to be when you're doing something risky, but just for you, you know, talk us through a little bit about how you switch it on to completely fly down the mountain and do things that a lot of people would be petrified to do. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's something, and I think you'll relate to this as well, being, you know, a skier and a mountain biker and a surfer that I think, or, or maybe anybody in kind of their sweet spot in a way, it's like what is perceived as extreme or risky to that individual is the experience is not that like I, f- I was always very calculated. I mean, okay. There's it, my risk tolerance was high. I'll acknowledge that it it sort of comes with the territory with these sports. Um, But but let me, let me jump in there. Let me jump in there just for a second. Um, But something drew you to the sports, like something about, I'm assuming, because I I know for me having similar interests and passions and even a little bit of a similar childhood in some way, you know, there's just a, there's a side of me that just loves that intensity and that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that outlet, even if it's, if I could be in a happy space and it just brings me joy or I could be frustrated and it's an outlet. Uh, so just curious if there's something else in there. For yeah. Of what drew me to this or what continues to draw me to this. Cause I don't know if I've ever really transitioned away from it. Um, I, Hmm. I really do feel like in the absence of a clear identity or somebody who looked like me or, or sounded like me, or like you said, merges these worlds in a way. I mean, I, I, I know that I still get a lot of people will look at me and not assume that I jump off cliffs on my bike or go off jump some, you know, both of those. Um, and so I think, think there was this experience all along of for me like I knew who I was and, and it made sense and I, I felt that most strongly in my sports in these environments and so it was like that identity of strength um, was where I got to take all the armor off and I wore a lot of armor trying to merge worlds um, I mean I even went to go teach in Vietnam on a U.S. State Department Fulbright grant after college teaching at a university, wanting to see if I connected to any piece of this culture that I'd inherited, but not been handed. Um, And I did, there was a lot of connection there. And at the same time, walking on the street as I, people would spot, you know, and point out, and I could understand as I began to learn Vietnamese that, you know, they were calling me out as I walked down the street. So I I was sort of this feeling of like, okay, well, I guess I don't belong here either. Um, Yeah. And so for whatever reason, armored up with actual armor, not like the kind that I put on to protect me from the world and um, getting on my bike, 
putting on my skis, getting to be outside where I can really feel a lot in, in, you know, the outdoors and the mountains, there's a lot to feel. Uh, that was where I felt most like myself. So I don't know why, but it happened <laughs> that way. Thank you for sharing that. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, I appreciate you going there. And in terms of, in terms of what you've got going on now. So I think, you know, for me and hopefully for the listeners, I understand sort of how the mountain mind project may have formed, right? So maybe give us a little bit of understanding, you know, at the high level on, on what you're doing with folks with mountain mind project. And of course they can, they mm -hmm. can find you on the website. They can sign up for your courses. And I do want to talk a little bit about the one you've got coming up, but, you know, just holistically, you know, whether I'm a, uh, an athlete, whether I'm a, a business person, whether I am, you know, have a strong contemplative practice or it's brand new, give us a, a kind of a wide ranging mm -hmm. sense of what you're up to with the project. Yeah. Um, you know, I keep coming back to that. Uh, these meditation trainings are for athletes or for anyone else who wants to train their mind like an athlete. So I have both kind of therapeutic and performance group courses. And then the one-on-one -on -one work is like a, a merging of all of that and more depending on, you know, what the individual has in their life right now. Uh, and so in the therapeutic version, I mean, I'm seeing people in this full spectrum of life in, you know, it might be, I'm showing up for this course because my greatest stressor is I'm burning out in my high-paced job or my greatest stressor is I'm retiring and I have no idea what to do with my time now. And so that diversity is really powerful in a room because it allows people to see that the ways that our minds work together can actually be really similar, even across disparate uh, experience. Um, and so it's sort of this therapeutic, if there's already a stressor identified, something like chronic pain, illness, injury, or performance, which is for you know, you're really just wanting to leverage these strengths of mind to take whatever you're doing to the next level. And um, I do group courses and I do one-on-one -on -one training work. And so we're, we're really personalizing a meditation practice um, based on your unique history, sort of what's showing up right now with modifications, sort of what your outcomes are that you're hoping to get to. Because I really love to think of meditation like exercising in the gym, you know, the instructions are that precise, um, for some of these outcomes. And of course there's cross training too, but, um, okay. That was a really roundabout way of group courses, one-on-one -on -one work, uh, for athletes and, and others who want to train their minds like an athlete. And you, for that, it's, you know, I'm working with nurses right now because I think that nurses are basically elite athletes with how physical, um, and mentally demanding those jobs are. So, uh, yeah, I get to kind of pull the learnings from, you know, these frameworks and, and concepts that relate a lot to an athlete life. Cause I think it's the life of an explorer in a way, um, and work with people in kind of high stakes moments in their life, whether that's an event, uh, your career, or I just got this diagnosis with my health and I, I need something to get through this. Yeah. I do think that 
you know, the work that you're doing is so applicable across so many settings, as you just mentioned. And I also think that your, your background, having worked in, in hospital settings, having worked with, with kids in schools, uh, working with corporate folk, working with athletes, working with folks who cross over, you know, uh, between those different worlds, it's so, so helpful. So thank you for what you've been up to and, uh, and continued good luck with it all. So I know you have You've got a, a upcoming three-day retreat in August. Is that right? I do. Yes. So it's going to be live online, and um, the, the course is called M Peak from, and it's August sixth through eighth. And so this is really the group program that's around priming for flow, leveraging performance um, to the next level using these practices and and mind trainings, and. There's something cool about, I've taught this a couple of times online so far, and uh, the aspect that you're in your own home and you kind of set up your retreat space to then have this training over this long weekend is neat in that then you have all these contextual triggers in a way to kind of prime the things that we're working on. So then you walk around your house, you know, when this is over and you're like, oh yeah, I remember this. And you're kind of brought back into um, some of these um learnings and, and discoveries, I think. So, um, and again, that's for performers of all types, you know, healthcare providers, executives, athletes. Um, and I really am, I've been really thinking about how to kind of meet this unique public health need that I see in mountain communities. We talked about this a little bit, but just this idea that, you know, accidents, avalanches, we have a lot, um, impact trauma, uh, and then that can kind of compound with any other past traumas that you've experienced. I'm hoping to kind of to, to meet some of that need with these programs. So that's where I'm starting to think for the fall and, and this um, and peak program. It's, it's performance and you get all these other secondary benefits of resilience and self-awareness. And so... Yeah. Well, I do think the mountain communities absolutely need them. There are this, this beautiful place of joy and they have their own unique challenges. I think, uh, that anyone who's lived in one can see. And I also think that, yeah, whether, whether you are any of the categories that we've talked about today or, or more, you know, some more of my traditional corporate clients, I do see the absolute relevance, you know, the high stakes environments, the, the crisis type of, um, you know, reactivity, the, the constant overload and burnout, et cetera. So, so I would encourage yeah. anybody who has a, has a moment on the, on those dates to join you and, and look, I want to thank you for your time, your candor. And, um, and if folks want to find you, uh, how do they get a hold of the mountain mind project? Thanks so much, Aaron, for letting me highlight all of that. So mountainmindproject.com is the website and Instagram at uh, mountainmindproject is where you can learn more about the work that I do, upcoming events and courses, and kind of be in that community of um, meditators, which I hope is sort of the norm that we all kind of become these meditation athletes in a way. <laughs> Amen. I think we can be all served well if we get more grounded, higher peak performers, and uh, a lot more joy and balance. So thank you very much for your time today, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of the week. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Aaron. Appreciate the time with you. Take care. Bye.